0: Welcome to episode 21 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan Francesco, and I'm the deputy editor of CellSide Technology. And today, I'm actually on my own. Uh, it's just me. I'm back from my trip from Toronto for the Toronto Financial Information and Technology Summit. And uh, Anthony's in the office. He's got some other things going on. And, you know, because I was kind of right in the thick of it, he thought it would be best if I kind of, or we both decided it would be best if I kind of just went on it on my own. So, here I am. So, yeah, I got, I went to Toronto. I left Monday morning and got back uh, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the conference was on Tuesday. Interesting conference because it's not a pure technology in the sense that we do it with uh, inside reference data, inside market data. Uh, Michael Shoshua, the, uh, the editor of Inside Reference Data, heads up the conference. So, there's a lot of data folks there. Um, so, a little bit different from, you know, Natas or Buy Side tech, um, you know, those type of conferences. So, but still plenty of pure tech stuff, you know, that's, that's of interest to us. I thought what would be best is I'm going to write a ton of stories. I already wrote one story up on uh, the panel. There's going to be a ton more this entire week. But I thought I'd kind of go through and, and kind of nitpick a couple of things that really stood out to me. So, the first thing is the, there was an end user panel. Um, I had a bunch of folks from not only Canada but kind of global institutions. Uh, they had one interesting conversation about cutting ties with, uh, with vendors and kind of the the struggle of kind of dealing um, with with that you know it's it's an interesting debate. I was kind of looking around and uh, you know John brazier, our European uh, staff writer did a, did a good story a few months ago or the beginning of the year about, you know, legacy systems, knowing cut ties, and then the same thing kind of on the other end of when you switch from internal to going to with vendors, um, or when you stop doing with, dealing with vendors and try to bring it internally. It's there's no good answer. There's no pure straight formula. It's kind of it's as you go, but it's an interesting debate. And I think as the analytics space, you know, and KPIs as they get stronger and better. There's going to be a little bit more of a standardization, I think, where firms will be able to kind of plug and go if they're not is there isn't already, uh, but there's still a little bit of it's it's still kind of an up in the air. So that was that was an interesting debate, and then uh, we also had uh, um, and again <laughs> awful with pronouncing names. Uh, Tarun dot the director of uh, advanced analytics at CIBC. He was fantastic, uh, very entertaining, had a bunch of jokes, and kind of. One of the interesting points he made is what can the financial firms learn from Netflix? Uh, And when you think about it, I never did really, you know, Netflix is one of the best, you know, in terms of machine learning or adapting to its users uh, systems in the world when you consider the click through. So what he said was, you know, when you're watching Netflix, if they suggest something you don't like, they suggest something, and you don't like it, and you click, no, I, I don't want to watch it. It doesn't end there. They give you more suggestions, and also that goes back into their algorithm and increases their algorithm. Or if you see something that you do like, then it goes back into their algorithm, and, and it's always changing, always evolving. So that was an interesting conversation, you know, an interesting presentation he had. Uh, then it kind of the, the panel splits, and there was the data management analytics stream, and then technology infrastructure stream. So I stayed on the technology infrastructure stream. Uh, public cloud hesitancy was talked about, uh, again, with the names Rares Patenu, the director of uh, Green Bay Capital. He spoke about how you know, this debate over public versus private cloud, he said it's kind of foolish because it's not that you're in on public cloud or out on public cloud. There's no one overreaching answer. There's, you know, there's... Differences in, in in each kind of debate and it's not a in all or at all um, So again interesting talks about that then we had um, the uh, Tackling regulations head-on uh, Panel which was great because that was if you saw my uh, opinion Comp piece from the week that was what was where the uh, The hot take came from which uh, so we use slide which allows um, which allows our users to submit uh, questions um, anonymously, and it kind of shows up on the big screen. So, one question that arrived was: Have big banks implicitly encouraged over-regulation and reporting as a way to handicap their smaller counterparts and push them out of the business? Um, so that got a little bit of a chuckle from the crowd. But then it's you know it's a hot it's one of those things where you read it the first time you think, oh that's crazy. You know how many times have I heard banks complain about? overregulation and compliance costs and how it's, you know, they have limited budgets and, you know, it's, it's putting a strain on them. And then you sort of think about it and you kind of think of the examples. So, you know, my, the first story I wrote from this was, uh, Jim Gilligan, the former president, recently retired former president CEO of Blue Cross Life Canada spoke about how there needs to be more regulatory oversight on, uh, fintechs. And, you know, he didn't directly say this. He said how insurance companies have drifted away from their bread and butter. And that's allowed, you know, smaller, more agile companies to, to take new technology trends and swoop in. But I mean, essentially that's calling, he's calling, he said he's calling for more regulation. So it's more of a, a fair game, a fair playing field. But essentially you're trying to handicap your competitors that are more agile and quicker than you and quicker to market than you. Uh, so, in that sense, you know, that, that user's question about, you know, our banks implicitly asking for over-reporting and, and over-regulation to kind of squeeze out the smaller folks, you know, maybe there's a little bit of truth to that because at the end of the day, as much as banks complain about it, they can deal with it. But a small firm, a small upstart, you know, when the, the regulation comes down on them, they're not going to be able to handle it. Personally, I'm a little bit torn on it because on one hand you know I'm not I'm the farthest thing from asking for big government but there it can't be the wild wild west and that's really what it is right now in in the fintech culture so there does need to be a little bit more oversight now that being said you need to really give the benefit of the doubt to these upstarts you know that they barely have enough funding they're trying to get up off the ground and they're innovative and they want to be innovative but if you slap a bunch of rules and regulations and make you know make them grow their compliance department up or make them have to outsource things, it's going to really stymie the. Uh, it's really slow down the amount of innovation that they're going to be able to do, and that's I don't think what anybody wants to see. Maybe the big banks, because then they'll be able to, to go for. But that's not what no no one wants. Everyone wants them to build innovate. Now the point. Now what uh, what um, what Jim brought up. Jim Gilligan. The you know the the former president and CEO of uh, Blue Cross Life Canada brought up his point was based around a point made by uh, TD Bank CEO and uh you know his point was that you you know the security these firms aren't protecting client data and that gets back to something that you know has been talked about for a while when I was at SIFMOPS I talked about how the former director of Homeland Security spoke about how these IOT devices, these smart devices, don't have this, the built-in security, and there's probably a lot of truth to that. In that, you know, sure, everyone's worried about cybersecurity, but are they really doing the best, you know, they can to ensure that it's safe and secure? So, that's just kind of, you know, one one topic that was uh, that was touched on on the on the regulation panel. Um, we also looked at they also spoke about you know, influencing regulators, how possible is that, what are the best routes, again, these are, I'm just kind of briefly touching on things, because I haven't had a chance to really sit down and dive into it, it's something that I'm going to do over the next week, and, and put up a bunch of stories, but for now, I'm just going to kind of wet your appetite, so to speak, and get you excited, so you'll keep checking back, uh, and then, you know, the final, besides beside the interactive champagne roundtables, uh, which we did at the end of the day, we also had an innovation and data and technology, which touched on a lot of different things. Interesting interesting of note is that while blockchain, you know, was discussed, it wasn't kind of front of mind. Even on, you know, Slido is good because so when you put in a question, everyone else can kind of upvote questions that they like. And, you know, so to get back to that first end user panel, the question about vendor and when to cut ties with vendors and when to go internal – that question shot up the ranks. I think like 12 people liked it right off the bat. So that was clearly something that people were interested in. Blockchain, you know, you saw a couple of blockchain questions here and there, but they weren't something that people really jumped on or were super interested in. So it's I don't know if it's if it's the, the type of people that were there. You know, you're at a conference like SIFMA Ops where you have ops people that their job could be gone due to blockchain. So they're a little bit more interested in what the deal is, how it's going to impact them. Whereas these data folks, a little bit different, more of an interest on data science, data governance, um, building the right data science teams, things like that. So, and again, at one point, it did split and so the data analytics side. Um, I didn't get to sit in on, on those two panels because I was over on the technology and infrastructure, but I can assume that there's not really too much blockchain talk. If anything, it was going to be on the, the infrastructure side of them. So yeah overall a uh a, a great panel um you know we had a ton of folks there from all the big banks in canada you know t d uh c i b c scotia r b c um b m o uh we also had a um we also had a ton of folks from you know the buy side as well it's just a it's it's a great conference um it was actually at the library which was interesting uh, I was at the Toronto, I believe it' was Toronto Reference Library. Uh, so you know you kind of walk in and it's very quiet and you feel like you have to whisper and then you walk in the back and uh, and then that's where we were. So that was that was a unique experience, but it was good. It was good. Uh, it was I had a great time, met some great folks, had some great conversations. Um, and then just you know, it's a stereotype, but it's a good stereotype. Canadians are just so, so nice. They're so freaking nice. I swear, you know, I say frickin' instead of cursing because I'm just, you know, I'm used to these Canadian folks that are just so nice. But everyone is just, you know, happy to talk to you, very nice. Um, I'll give you an example. So, I'll give you two stories. So, first, when I arrive, uh, I arrive at Toronto Pearson Airport. And uh, they built, basically, an air tram that brings you, essentially, it makes two stops, essentially directly from the airport right into... Uh, Union Station, which is right in the financial district, so they've built this, this was built a year ago, so when I first went on, when I first went to Toronto for the first time a year ago for this conference, they had just built it, and the guys that are checking tickets, the people that are checking tickets, are, you know, talking about how proud they are, and it's so nice, flash forward to uh, a year later, you know, a couple days ago when I was there, it still looks like it was just built, which is, that's Exhibit A of how you know you're not in New York or America because the product the train tram hasn't been completely defaced by uh, You know weirdos that feel the need to do graffiti. It's completely clean smells nice Just it it just looks very good. So that's you know exhibit A of how you know you're in Canada Uh, Then exhibit B I get off this uh, right into Union Station and they're handing out gift bags um, as a one-year anniversary of, I think it's called the UP, the UP. I think it's United, I don't know, it's something United with Pearson, UP, but, so, they're handing out gift bags in honor of the one-year anniversary of the UP being up and running. Can you imagine if the MTA handed out gift bags? So, I mean, now, um, it's not like it was, you know, the Academy Award gift bag. It's, you know, it had, like, a pen and a notebook and a coupon book and a travel book and then, this weird thing where you can, like, hold a water bottle, you know, like, sachet, I I don't know how to describe it, but it was like this, you know, but whatever, it's, it wasn't anything that, but it's the thought that counts, right, it's the thought that counts in these type of things, can you imagine if the MTA handed out gift bags, what would, you know, I, I joked around on Twitter that it would probably be, like, an apple core, um, a used baby diaper, um, and then maybe, you know, there was a pencil. It'd probably be a pencil that had no eraser and was was uh shaved down to the to the very end. So it'd like be a a pencil. And probably like a couple uh half smoked cigarettes. That's what would be in the uh the MTA or the Metro North or the L I R gift bag if they handed out gift bags. So that's my that's my then one story, and then my other story. So I had meetings on Monday and I had meetings on well, the way I design my trip is anytime I go on these trips, I like to you know, kind of expanded out so I could meet with all the local firms. So I had a bunch of meetings on Monday and then I had one meeting on Wednesday. So originally when I set up my flight, I'd asked to fly out Wednesday at 6.30 so I could have the whole business day. But for one reason or another, a couple things got shifted around and I only had one meeting on Wednesday and it was at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, I was very happy to speak to these folks. So uh, it was the folks over at Scotiabank. So I spoke with them and I had a meeting with them Spoke with like uh, their their, uh, their head of technology um, about, you know, stuff they're working on and whatnot. And that was a great talk. I'll definitely write something about that, about kind of the work they're doing locally with uh, the different universities, not just in terms of recruiting, but in terms of getting different perspective on on different problems they're dealing with. Spoke about blockchain. Uh, spoke about, had a really interesting conversation about what they're using their data lakes uh, for, when it comes to the Volcker rule, how essentially the data lake was developed regu- with the regulatory mindset of, okay, this is just going to be for BCBS 239. And then they kind of pivoted and realized, well, we have this data lake. We can kind of throw on another layer and, and help with Volcker rule and dealing with the different trading, trading desk and understanding what's proprietary and, and, and what's for customers. So that was, uh, that was very interesting as well. I had a great, great, great talk with, uh, with Michael there. Um, but so, I go, so then my flight is, uh, my flight is leaving at six o'clock, right, and my flight's leaving at six o'clock, and my meeting ends at nine, so I'm in a predicament, now, my hotel, you know, you can't, obviously, I think my checkout was like 11, I couldn't go all the way back uptown, I didn't want to, you know, take a, a, a cab all the way back, I was already closer, right to the to Union Station, so I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of at a crossroads, do I, go back, go, maybe go to the reference library, do a little bit of work. Um, you know, I'm lugging my bags around or do I just say, screw it. Even though I'm eight hours early, I'm going to show up to the the airport. Now I know a lot of you business folks travel a lot or savvy travelers. Oh, you can do this, this. I'm not that guy. Okay. I, yes, I travel for business, but I'm very much, I'm the type I show up at the airport three hours ahead of time just to be safe. Like I am, I am not a uh, savvy traveler, so to speak. I don't, do the, the mileage, if any of you want to reach out to me, explain to me how I can benefit, please do, if you can make it simple, I'll, maybe I'll read it, but this is that's just not me, this is not how, not how I work, I hate flying in general, I get scared, I'm convinced every time I'm on a plane, it's going to crash into the air, but that's another conversation for another day, so I realized, you know what, screw it, what I can do is, I remember this, again, getting back to how nice Canadians are, uh, the Wi-Fi is free at the airport, which, again, wrap your head around that, when, you know, you get, I think five minutes, maybe, for free at LaGuardia, and then you have to pay $50 a minute, uh, or maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but, you know, free Wi-Fi at, uh, Toronto Pearson, which, you know, might not sound nice, but when you're used to dealing with, you know, New York, it's fantastic, so I realized, you know, I'll go there, even if I can't, let's say they can't get me on a new flight, um, you know, I'll just do work, I'll be able to do work, I'll be able to bang out some stories, it won't be a big deal, so I show up at the airport, and I go up to the ticketing desk, Very nice guy that works. It was flying Air Canada. And I knew that there were a bunch of kind of uh, uh, shuttle flights back and forth to LaGuardia, basically every hour on the hour. So I go up. I say, listen, I have a flight at six, but I'd love to move up. You know, what can you do for me? He goes, oh, I'm not going to do a Canadian accent because these people are nice. I don't want to make fun of them. So he tells me that basically uh, he goes, he goes, well, first of all, he tells me that I'm in the domestic area, not in the international area. But he goes, that's okay. He goes, I'll show you where you need to go and I'm going to help you. Um, I slipped into it a little bit there. I apologize. N- only, but love only, th- only I only got love from my Canadians. So basically he gives me, he puts me on standby for, I'm the. this is about probably nine 30, puts me on standby for a 1115 flight. And he says, listen, there's going to be then a 1215 and then a 115. There's gonna be flights. So like I said, every hour in the hour, he goes, It looks quite full. He goes, It's $150 to upgrade. I wouldn't recommend you do that. You want to save your money, and there's a bunch of flights. If you can't get on this one, then you get put on standby on the next one, and so on and so forth. All right, so I go through security, no line of security, and I go and sit down right by the thing. 15 minutes pass, and they get on the loudspeaker. Can these passengers, so and so, so and so, Francesco, come to the front? So I go to the front, and sure enough, they just hand me a boarding pass. I have a seat. Awesome, fantastic. I'm going to get home at like 12.30, 1 o'clock, I wasn't even supposed to leave till 6, I'll be able to do some work from home, I'll be back in my own bed, I've been traveling for the past couple weeks, not just with this, but with a couple other things I've been doing, so I haven't, so since before Memorial Day, I haven't slept in my own bed for more than two consecutive days, I know the consultants out there probably are laughing at my face saying, that's my life, but this is not my life, I'm a journalist, okay, I'm not supposed to be on the road all the freaking time, I, you know, I don't cover sports anymore, I cover technology, I'm right in the heart of it, I shouldn't have to do this stressful, anyway, so, I'm gonna wrap the story up quickly, so, uh, I get the, uh, I get, I get put on, on, from put on standby to on the flight, all right, perfect, so then, waiting there, we board, I get on, and I'm in the very, very last row, which, you know, whatever, that stinks, because it's gonna take forever for me to get off the plane, but it is what it is, side note, and I know this is because we have the, 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 they have the jetways, or whatever, but, I used to love flying, you know, EasyJet and uh, Ryanair and all those things when I was living over in Europe because they'd open up both doors, the back door and the front door. Now, this is also because you'd walk on the tarmac most times and then walk into the, the, the thing. But I used to love that because you'd be able to leave so much quicker. So if you're in the back of the plane, you don't, you know, it's going to take you forever because everyone's got to get off. Everyone's got to get their stuff. You know, if they open up that back door, then they, they exit both exits, then it's kind of you know, it's a lot better, anyway, so, um, so we, so, I sit down, it's me and another gentleman, uh, the plane's filling up, and right before we're about to take off, and I wasn't sure if they'd closed the door yet, so, uh, the flight attendant comes back, and he goes, excuse me, sir, are you traveling alone, and I say, yes, and he goes to the guy next to, me, excuse me, sir, are you traveling alone, he goes, yes, and he goes, uh, can you please get your bags, you're gonna have to come to the front of the plane, so now I'm thinking, now, you know, everything's racing through my mind, I'm like, you know, what, did I offend someone, am I getting kicked off the plane, that doesn't make sense, so I'm like, okay, I'm fine there, I'm like, maybe, because I'm on standby, is there, like, a family or something that, like, got bumped, and they need to go, so they're gonna bump us off, because we're the standby guys, I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense, so I get my bag, and I'm kind of like, what the hell, so I walk to the front, and he points to the front seat of first class, and he goes, you two can sit here. And doesn't say anything else, just says, go ahead, this is where you guys are sitting now. So, my first thought was, oh, a lot of times in that back row, they want to leave that open for the flight attendants, so they'll kick people out and move them up to first class if they can, so that the flight attendants can sit down there. But, then I thought about, this, that, that doesn't make sense, because it's a hour and five minute flight. Flight attendants are on their feet the whole time. This isn't like an international flight to, you know, to... um to, to, you know, England or or Germany or something where, you know, it's a, it's a hop, skip and a jump. They're not even going to be sitting down. They're going to be on their feet the entire time. Then the guy next to me, I kind of look at him. I shrug my shoulders. I go, look, I'll take it. And he goes, yeah, I guess it has to do with the weight distribution, which once again, proves how dumb I am. But I kind of look around and first class was pretty empty and uh, I'm not exactly a petite person. So, uh, yeah. So once, you know, for the first time in my life, my weight played an advantage for me and, uh, I'll take it. Uh and it was awesome. I know a lot of you again, business folks, maybe travel first class, but it's the second time I've ever done it. First time was on a you know, we flew I think it was Delta, uh from Orlando. I got to fly first class home, um because I got bumped up or something. But it is awesome. You know, they give you the hot towel, the drinks, the food, you know, and it's such a funny dynamic because two seconds ago I'm sitting in the back in coach and not that you get treated bad in coach, but like you're a peasant, you know, anything you want, you got to pay for, and then two seconds later, um, the flight attendant is like, oh, can I get you coffee, can I get you alcohol, can I get you water, can I get you food, can you like more nuts, how would you like your coffee, how would you like your food, you know, it's just, the whole dynamic changes, even though I didn't pay anything, so go from, you know, potentially having to wait in the airport for eight hours, to, uh, being on standby, to being on the flight, to riding first class, um, it was awesome, that all being said, I can't imagine it ever be worth it to pay twice as much for a first-class ticket. I mean, that's essentially what you're paying. It's about double. I can't imagine being like, yeah, that's that's – I'll, I'll be willing to do that. It's as good as it is. It's not – for me, I'll slum it back in coach, and I'll save myself, you know, however much money. Uh, I believe that is it. Uh, I don't have anything – you know, we have uh, – the next thing up is we are our water drinkers, We're going to announce that in July – so that's a ways away. We also have a conference in Chicago in September, another conference in, um, in San Francisco in October. But that's a ways away. I'm not even going to start promoting that because you guys will forget about it. Uh, Anthony and I will be back next week uh, together again. Reunited and it feels so good. I think that's about it. Thanks for listening to me ramble on. Um, Canada, I love you. You guys are great. You treated me awesome. Uh, if you have any, like I said, keep an eye out on the site. I'm going to put a link to the tag for the Toronto uh, Financial Information Technology Summit where that's where all the stories will uh, be aggregated. So definitely keep an eye on that because we'll be updated throughout the, uh, throughout the week. Other than that, have a great weekend. Enjoy the nice weather. Hopefully that will have and I'll be back next week.